This is Dr. Haley Bunting, one of the chief residents, Department of Plastic Surgery at UT Southwestern in Dallas, Texas. And today I'll be talking about a article that we recently published in ASJ Open Forum, January 2020, with the lead author, Dr. Jeffrey Kinkle. The title of this article is Vertical Abdominoplasty Technique and the Impact of Preoperative Comorbidities on Outcomes. The goal of the study was really to understand the techniques that the senior author utilizes in approaching these patients with both horizontal and vertical laxity in the abdominal area, and to look at the preoperative comorbidities and how these impact patient outcomes. Abstract. The authors of this article, Haley Bunting, myself, Karen B. Liu, who was a medical student at the time, Zikuo Shang, who's a PhD statistician, and Dr. Jeffrey Kinkle. Abstract background. As the number of patients requiring bariatric surgery has increased, so has the demand for body contouring after massive weight loss. Surgery involving the abdomen in these patients is particularly challenging as both vertical and horizontal laxity is often present, making traditional abdominoplasty techniques less effective. Objectives. The aim of this study was to review the operative technique and evaluate the preoperative comorbidities and operative decisions that may impact patient outcomes in those undergoing vertical abdominoplasty. Methods. A review of the author's technique is described. A retrospective chart review of patients who underwent vertical abdominoplasty for significant vertical and horizontal laxity after massive weight loss by a single surgeon between June 2007 and July 2019 was performed. Preoperative parameters, operative factors, minor and major complications were evaluated. Results. Our complication rate was 81%, 13 out of 16 patients, which were all minor. No major complications were encountered. Patients with a history of nicotine use had a 100% complication rate. There was a trend towards higher seroma formation in patients with coronary artery disease and those with a history of smoking. There was also a trend towards higher wound dehiscence in patients with renal disease. The authors found no statistically significant correlation between complications and older age, higher weight tissue resected, higher body mass index, and medical comorbidities. Conclusions. This small series helps to elucidate the role of vertical abdominoplasty in the care of patients following massive weight loss and its associated morbidity. Proper patient selection, appropriate preoperative patient counseling, and sound surgical technique help to mitigate the negative outcomes. Level of evidence, four. Introduction. Obesity has become one of the most severe global public health problems over the last 20 years with over 2.1 billion adults worldwide affected. It is associated with many comorbidities, such as heart disease, stroke, osteoarthritis, obstructive sleep apnea, type 2 diabetes, and certain types of cancers. These are some of the leading causes of preventable premature death. To address these concerns, there have been an increased prevalence of successful bariatric surgery procedures over the past two decades. This has resulted in a variety of body contour deformities in the massive weight loss patient that were not commonly seen by plastic surgeons in the past. When a patient loses greater than 50% of his or her excess weight, he or she often sees loose totic skin that has lost its elastic recoil in addition to unexpected folds and fat protuberances. These changes are not predictive of preoperative appearance, degree of weight loss, or patient age. According to the Aesthetic Society for Aesthetic Plastic Surgery, abdominoplasty was the fourth most common procedure performed in 2018 with 157,492 cases. This represents an 11.8% increase from 2017 and a 31% increase from 2014. 
With rising obesity rates, this number is only increasing. Unlike the typical abdominoplasty patients who have excess skin and fat in the vertical dimension with little redundancy in the transverse direction, massive weight loss patients often have redundancy in both. When not addressed, these patients are often left with epigastric fullness and laxity, poor waist contour, and unsightly dog ears. When a vertical component is included in the resection, the surgeon is able to directly excise this redundant epigastric tissue and improve the waist contour. Although abdominal contouring procedures in a massive weight loss patient can be life-changing, the overall complication rate is high at 48% and varies greatly for vertical abdominoplasty, which is often referred to as fleur-de-lis, in literature from 3% to 35.5%. These complications are mostly in the form of minor wound complications such as dehiscence and delayed wound healing. Unfortunately, however, few studies focused on this patient population and their risk factors. Our goal is to present our technique to address significant horizontal and vertical excess, highlighting the difference between our technique and a classic fleur-de-lis and our experience with the vertical abdominoplasty in massive weight loss patients. To better understand these patients, we also sought to evaluate whether patient factors, including demographic variables and comorbidities, or intraoperative factors had an impact on the incidence and type of complications. Patient selection, preoperative and postoperative care, complications, and results are discussed. Methods. This study was conducted in accordance with the Institutional Review Board, or IRB. We carried out a retrospective review of all vertical abdominoplasty procedures done consecutively between June 2007 and July 2019 by the senior author at a single institution after massive weight loss. Inclusion criteria were as follows. Weight stable for at least six months after achieving goal weight. Vertical abdominoplasty as a primary procedure. Nicotine-free at the time of surgery. ASA status 1, 2, or 3. Medical comorbidities well controlled by their primary care physician. No significant cardiac or pulmonary disease. Absence of major psychiatric comorbidities. A preoperative medical clearance evaluation. An understanding of the importance of weight maintenance long term. Massive weight loss was defined as the loss of greater than 50 pounds. Vertical abdominoplasty was done in patients with excess of redundant tissue over the entire torso that exceeded what could be excised using a single traditional horizontal pattern excision. In other words, massive weight loss patients with a high degree of horizontal laxity that on a pinch test benefited from a horizontal-oriented pull. Those patients were willing to accept vertical scar to achieve a better epigastric contour. All patients who underwent vertical abdominoplasty procedure were included in the chart review. No patients were excluded. Waiver for informed consent was obtained as per our IRB protocol as all information collected was de-identified. All charts were reviewed in depth by single investigator for consistency. Patient characteristics, comorbidities, and intraoperative parameters were captured as displayed in Table 1. Comorbidities, which are displayed in Table 2, include history of smoking, hypertension, diabetes, coronary artery disease, anemia, renal disease, cancer, HIV, and history of deep vein thrombosis. Patient characteristics, including age, gender, weight loss amount, type of bariatric procedure, preoperative body mass index, or BMI, and ASA status. Intraoperative parameters include pain control type, concomitant procedures performed, weight of tissue excised, liposuction performed, operative time, use of nitropaste, and anoxaparin. Complications evaluated include hematoma, seroma, erythema, skin necrosis, dehiscence, infections, and revisions required. These are displayed in Table 3. Statistical analysis was performed using our software from Vienna, Austria, by the Bioinformatics Core Facility, supported by a grant from the Cancer Prevention and Research Institute of Texas, RP150596, 
Bioinformatics Core Facility, or BICF, features a multidisciplinary team of personnel with expertise in bioinformatics, statistics, computer science, statistical genetics, and genomics, database development, and data management. Patients' characteristics were summarized in both continuous and binary values. Simple matching coefficients, or SMCs, were used to calculate correlations between the preoperative risk factors and complications by evaluating similarity and diversity of our sample sets. We performed comparisons between binary groups using chi-squared tests. The minimum acceptable significant level was set to 5%, or p-value less than 0.05. Operative Technique and Postoperative Protocol The techniques used by the senior author differ from the traditional Fordley abdominoplasty and the corset trunkplasty in both operative markings, sequence of maneuvers, and amount of undermining performed. In this technique, which is shown in video 1, the patient is placed supine on the operating table and a vertical midline reference line is created from xiphoid to pubis. Lateral markings are made by grasping redundant horizontal skin, extending from the lower chest to flanks, which is pulled to the midline, inverted, stapled, and marked. An ellipsis formed connecting these markings, ensuring equidistance from the midline. The lower transverse incision is marked at the level of the mons pubis, 5 to 7 centimeters from the vulvar commissure, and extended out laterally as one would normally mark a traditional abdominoplasty. The vertical elliptical skin removal is done before undermining the lower transverse abdominal skin flaps. Vertical skin is incised and dissection is taken straight down to fascia with limited undermining. Care is taken to preserve the umbilical stalk. Once the tissue is excised, the medial borders of the rectus muscles are approximated in the midline and the vertical incision is then loosely closed. The incision is advanced caudally with three-point sutures and an attempt to eliminate the redundancy in the epigastrum, displacing it caudally. After ensuring 10 to 12 centimeters from the umbilicus to lower transverse incision, vertical redundancy is created inferiorly and taken out laterally with horizontal excisions bilaterally. Care is taken to limit undermining transversely in an attempt to maximize perfusion to the T-point. Routine subcutaneous drain placement is not done as there is little dead space using this technique. The skin is then closed in layers and a Impressive surgical dressing is placed. All patients received preoperative prophylactic antibiotics. Calf pneumatic compression devices were worn during the operation and postoperatively until fully ambulatory. A fully catheter, a warming blanket, and a core temperature monitor were all placed. All patients were admitted overnight and ambulated on the day of their operation. Weight-based dosing of anoxaparin was administered into the thigh eight hours following the completion of the procedure and continued daily while the patient was in the overnight facility. All patients were ambulated on the day of their procedure a minimum of three times a day. Compression garments were continuously worn in the immediate postoperative period. Local pain control evolved over time based on the surgeon's preference, from pain pump to bupivacaine liposomal injection suspension, which was a local injection, to ultrasound-guided transversus abdominis plane, or TAP block, with bupivacaine liposomal injectable suspension. A fully catheter is kept for 24 hours postoperatively. While this practice is not done by all, we feel that it is important to monitor fluid status and maximize patient comfort in the immediate postoperative period, particularly while the patient is mobilizing fluids. Protein supplementation and vitamins are begun on the first postoperative day, 1.5 to 2 times daily recommended protein supplementation, continues for 4 to 6 weeks to help facilitate the healing process. Case examples are shown in figures 1 through 3. Results. The study included a total of 16 patients. 
patient characteristics are displayed in Table 1. There are two males and 14 females. The average patient age was 45, ranging from 25 to 65, but an average weight loss of 145 pounds, ranging from 50 to 400 pounds. The average BMI at the time of plastic surgical procedure was 30.5. This ranged from 25.8 to 37.1, with the majority of patients being categorized as either overweight or obese. Gastric bypass was the most common method of weight loss, followed by gastric sleeve, laparoscopic band, and finally diet and exercise. Five patients had a lifetime history of smoking. 11 patients had additional body contouring procedures performed at the time of their abdominoplasty, which was 69%. Two patients underwent circumferential lower body lifts incorporating vertical principles anteriorly. The average operative time was 252 minutes, the range was 145 to 388 minutes, and the average weight of resection was 4.4 kilograms, the range was 1.3 to 8.1 kilograms. Abdominal liposuction was performed in two patients, and wetting solution infiltrated in six patients. Patient comorbidities are displayed in Table 2, the most common one being hypertension. Average follow-up was 17 months, with a range of 3 to 49 months. No intraoperative or major complications occurred. The overall complication rate was 81.25%, which occurred in 13 out of 16 patients, which were all minor and mostly common wound healing problems. This is shown in Table 3. Our threshold for counting complications was low, likely driving this rate higher than previously published. The cause of these wound problems is hard to determine, but is likely multifactorial and largely related to patient physiology. Seven patients required revisional surgery, most commonly scar revision following wound healing complications shown in Table 4. Possible association between complications and patient risk factors were analyzed using chi-squared tests. All factors listed in Table 5 were not statistically significantly correlated with a higher complication rate. However, based on the sorted means SMC score, we did find a few remarkable correlations between comorbidities and outcomes, which is also displayed in the heat map in Figure 4. In particular, the development of a postoperative seroma was highly correlated with coronary artery disease and smoking within one month. The need to use nitro paste was highly correlated with smoking within one month. Not surprisingly, tissue necrosis was also highly correlated with the need to use nitro paste. And lastly, tissue necrosis was highly correlated with renal disease. Discussion. Recent Center for Disease Control data shows an increased prevalence of obesity in the United States of almost 30% over the last eight years. With this rising obesity rate, plastic surgeons will likely see a steady increase in the number of patients desiring body contouring procedures. Friedman et al. showed that of all massive weight loss patients desiring an abdominoplasty, one-third have horizontal laxity that requires a vertical incision. This represents a significant cohort of patients that plastic surgeons need to be comfortable managing. The vertical abdominoplasty technique that we use differs from the traditional floor-to-lead technique described by Dellen in 1985. In his original description of 16 patients, two had major complications, which were umbilical necrosis and hematoma, and five had minor wound complications. Since that original description, abdominal contouring techniques have evolved to minimize major complications and make this a safe and reliable procedure. The high lateral tension abdominoplasty, reverse abdominoplasty, and modified floridally abdominoplasty have all attempted to address the truncal contour in this patient population. Moya and Sharma described a modified approach to vertical abdominoplasty in conjunction with extended high lateral incisions. In their series of 16 patients undergoing this procedure, they report two minor complications related to wound healing, total complication rate of 12.5%. Similar to our technique, serious wound complications were avoided by limited undermining. 
Costa et al. described a modified vertical technique to address this bidirectional laxity. Like our technique, the epigastric fullness is addressed by grasping tissue and bringing it to midline, creating an ellipse of tissue to be removed without widely undermining. In his series of 48 massive weight loss patients using this technique, two developed seremas, four had minor epidermolysis, and one required a blood transfusion. He reported no major complications. Unlike these techniques that employ an on-block resection, ours is done sequentially. First, the horizontal laxity is addressed with vertical ellipse of tissue excised. Once this is caudally translocated, the amount of abdominal resection is determined. We believe that by addressing this horizontal laxity first, we can minimize tissue trauma, achieve a tension-free closure, and improve the truncal contour. More importantly, the horizontal vectors applied to the abdomen result in greater change than a vertical advancement flap and are the focus of this procedure. Ziegler et al. described a modified fleur-de-lis abdominoplasty technique in which the upper abdominal skin flaps have de-epithelialized mediocaudal edges. In their series of 76 patients, half underwent traditional fleur-de-lis abdominoplasties and the other half this modified technique. They found a decreased rate of seroma formation and full thickness wounds in these patients who had undergone the modified approach. This suggests that limited undermining at the T-point decreases complications. Risk Analysis one of the goals of this study was to understand the role that preoperative comorbidities and intraoperative decisions play on outcomes in this unique patient population. Although we were limited by a small sample size in this study, we were able to draw some significant conclusions from our analysis. First, and most surprisingly, the BMI and amount of weight loss achieved did not contribute to a higher complication rate in this cohort. These findings are in conflict with previous studies. One study showed that a BMI greater than 25 at the time of abdominal contour surgery results in a threefold increase in wound complications. Porud and Warren found that a BMI above 35 trended towards more T-point wounds. And in a study by Duff and Griffiths in 2003, higher complication rates were correlated to older patients, higher BMIs, and a greater amount of tissue resected. With regard to the method of weight loss, previous studies have shown there to be no difference in complication rates following abdominal body contouring procedures attributable to the method of weight loss. Cheta et al. found that weight loss through bariatric surgery versus diet and exercise showed no worse outcomes in their body contouring patients. In our small series, we also found this to be the case. There were no significant differences in outcomes based on the method of weight loss. The American Society of Anesthesiologists, or ASA classification, is an established predictor of anesthetic overall perioperative risk. A study of 3,678 patients undergoing abdominoplasty found that complication rates increased significantly with increasing ASA class. However, we found no difference in outcomes between patients of a lower ASA class and a higher ASA class. Wound breakdown is often one of the most common complications seen in this population. It is usually a minor complication that can be treated as an outpatient. The rate of wound problems in the literature varies from 3% to 35% depending on the series. In our small series, we had 11 out of 16 or 68.8 patients with some form of wound breakdown. Any wound breakdown, regardless of size, was considered a complication, which is what likely drives our complication rate higher than previous series. Etiology of these wounds is likely multifactorial, with patient physiology playing a large role. Wound dehiscence, which we defined as an opening down to the level of the underlying muscle fascia, was not seen. We also recognize that performing multiple procedures is highly associated with higher rates of complications. Winnicor et al. performed an analysis of 25,478 abdominoplasties identified through the Cosmetosure database and concluded that combining procedures increased the risk of complications. In fact, they found that when abdominoplasty was combined with procedures on other body regions, complication rate was increased with the number of body regions operated on up to 4.8%.
Additionally, they found that a BMI greater than 25 was associated with increased complications. We believe, however, that these complications can be minimized by limited undermining, preserving perforating vessels, and achieving attention-free closure. Some favor creating a neo-umbilicus as a second procedure. Mendez et al. advocate a secondary umbilicoplasty in order to achieve predictable umbilical scarring and to decrease umbilical-related complications. If the umbilical stalk is not excessively long in length and has maintained perfusion, we attempt to preserve the native umbilicus. We prefer to inset it along our vertical incision and incorporate three-point sutures in a similar manner performed during a standard abdominoplasty. We did not operate on any active smokers, but did find a 100% complication rate in patients with a lifetime history of smoking versus a 45% complication rate in non-smokers. This was not a statistically significant difference, but does show an interesting trend. Even patients who have quit smoking in the past should be counseled that they could potentially be at risk for minor complications postoperatively. She Stack et al. conducted an evidence-based update for plastic surgeons performing abdominoplasty and recommend preoperative smoking cessation for at least four weeks before surgery. A urine nicotine test can also be considered. These massive weight loss patients often desire other contouring procedures that address tissue laxity of their arms, lower body, and breasts. Due to financial restraints, time off work, and consolidated recovery time, performing multiple procedures at once is appealing to many patients. There is no doubt, however, that performing concomitant procedures increases case complexity and operative time. In our series, the average operative time for multiple procedures was 284 minutes compared with 179 minutes for the vertical abdominoplasty alone. Hardy et al. found in their series of 1,753 plastic surgery cases that each hour increase in surgery duration was associated with a 21% increase in odds of morbidity and that complications significantly increase above three hours. In our series, 82% of patients who had multiple procedures performed developed complications. This is higher than those who went abdominal contour procedures alone, which was 60%. Although there is concern about increased risks when combining body contouring procedures, literature says this can be done safely. Kuhn et al. reported their experience with 609 massive weight loss patients and concluded that there was no significant increase in complications on a per-procedure basis. Additionally, there's a reason to suggest that patients who address multiple concerns do better in the long term. Weiser et al. found that contouring procedures performed on more than three anatomic areas lead to better outcomes and weight control in the long term. Ultimately, massive weight loss patients must understand the pros and cons of performing multiple body contouring procedures at once. They should be counseled that they are, may be at higher risk of wound healing complications but ultimately the decision of what and when procedures should be performed should be a patient-centric decision that considers the patient's medical comorbidities, operative time, patient's motivation, surgeon's experience, and opposing vectors of pull between adjacent tissue. Lastly, the approach to these patients should be multidisciplinary. Preoperative evaluation and clearance by the bariatric medical provider or the appropriate caregiver based on comorbidities should always be considered. Some advocate waiting as little as three months for weight to be stable before embarking on body contouring surgery, but we feel that the patient's weight should be stable for at least six months. This usually represents at least 12 to 18 months from the time of their original bariatric procedure. This is done for multiple reasons. To minimize complications, allow time to correct any metabolic abnormalities and control medical comorbidities, gives time to allow for smoking cessation if present, allows tissue laxity to reach an equilibrium, and optimizes aesthetic outcomes. Conclusions. The traditional abdominoplasty techniques fail to address epigastric fullness and waist contour. When these areas are neglected, not only does it lead to patient dissatisfaction, but it also may result in the need for further surgeries. This can lead to an increased risk of complications, associated costs, and healthcare utilization, 
a higher scar burden, and ultimately patient frustration. Plastic surgeons, therefore, should consider this technique when evaluating massive weight loss patients with a large amount of abdominal laxity that will have suboptimal results if a vertical component is not included in the tissue excision. Lockwood emphasized the treatment of lower lateral abdominal skin laxity using a high lateral tension approach with significant lateral resection and highest tension wound closure placed laterally. In this patient population, however, placing a high degree of tension at any area of closure increases the risk of complications. This procedure is designed to help flatten the anterior abdominal wall. Lockwood's operation does not adequately address the epigastric horizontal laxity. Lateral tissue is best addressed by a circumferential procedure, not placing high tension in that area. Additionally, body shape depends on several things, the width of the thoracic cage, the width of the abdomen slash soft tissue, and pelvic width. These set the transition from convex to concave to convex. We do not think that in patients with a more significant weight loss, you can see as much contour change anteriorly as we see with a vertical abdominoplasty. Previous studies have shown this is a safe procedure, and our data confirms this finding. Although we did have a high complication rate, all were minimal in the form of minor infections and wound healing problems. It is vital, therefore, that during the preoperative evaluation, the patient must be counseled about the large scar burden and a high likelihood of wound healing complications. Although there have been concerns for potential necrosis of abdominal flaps at the teeth closure, we believe that with proper patient selection, preoperative planning, and sound surgical technique that this can be done with little to no patient comorbidity. This small series lets us better understand the risk profile of our patients undergoing body contouring procedures and how to use this data to counsel patients preoperatively. This series highlights pearls that the plastic surgeon can use to maximize patient safety and minimize complications. However, this is a small case series and more research on this topic needs to be undertaken in future research. Disclosures, the authors have no potential conflicts of interest with respect to research, authorship, and publication of this article. Funding, the authors received no financial support for the research, authorship, and publication of this article. Thank you for listening.